your managing editor, the host of the Winkly, Nick Hausman. Joined here as I am nearly every Tuesday by my good friend, Michael Weissman. Michael, welcome back to the Winkly. It is good to be back here on a Tuesday after, uh, man, what an extensive weekend. Awesome weekend of entertainment. We're just going to talk about Avengers and Game of Thrones. Today, oh, right? sure. Yeah, well, I saw both. I saw the latest episode of, of Game of Thrones. I'm not really uh, a Game of Thrones person. I also saw Endgame. I'm really not a Marvel person, but my girlfriend is. Liz Liz likes these things, so I, I took her and we watched those things this weekend. It's, you've watched everything else before both of these things, though, right? Like you've seen the Marvel movies and the Game of Thrones shows. I've seen, I, I'd seen like two episodes of Game of Thrones. Oh, my God. But I feel like this was still a good standalone. I was like, yeah. all action here, Game of Thrones, and then, of course, you know, Endgame. I feel like there's a lot of people out there right now that probably don't want to spoil in these episodes. But, yeah, very, you know, I enjoy both, and I'm not really into these genres, but I thought they were both really good. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think there's a lot more that happened with that than, um, you know, Raw last night, but uh, it, it is what it is. We'll get, we'll get to that, I guess. Yeah, we will. I was, uh, I was uh, very tired yesterday covering wrestling because there was not much news going into Raw. But yeah, like uh, Michael said, we'll get that. We'll get to that here in just a second. Uh, we got some big interviews here uh, on the show to start the week off. First of all, our good friend Andy Malnaski uh, was at a charity event this weekend to benefit the Special Olympics in Howell, New York, and the guest of honor was none other than WWE Hall of Famer Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle. So Andy got some time with Kurt Angle to the side uh, to chat for like eight, nine minutes all about WrestleMania, his future, everything. Um, and we're going to play that here on the show today. So you're going to get Kurt Angle. I'm going to put that one first because it's Kurt, obviously. Um, but second is going to be my interview with Jennifer Decker. Uh, she's a comedian, uh, sports broadcaster, and she'll be the host of the AEW Double or Nothing weigh-in and press conference. Very, very happy with that. I think this interview was a lot of fun. So I think you guys are going to like both of those here later in the show. But right now, let's start it off here today talking about the news you can use, the news that will leave a bruise, from the last five days in professional wrestling. And while it did feel like a lull yesterday, I'm looking at this run sheet. There's like a lot of news that happened in the last five days, Michael. Well, I mean, you talk about yesterday kind of being an off day, but a lot of things happened. It felt like over the weekend, obviously there were some big shows with some big results from that coming out of Saturday night's Crockett Cup and Sunday night's Impact Show. And, right. uh, you know, just all the other kind of buzzy things that are happening in and around the business. I, I think the issue is right now, WWE, while there is some news there, it feels like all the stuff happening around WWE is where a lot of the news is being generated. So it's it's a fun time still to cover wrestling. Mondays always suck, if, like Garfield says, you know. If if WWE was a physical building, the spotlight would be on the turnstile at the front of the building right now because that's where we're going to start. That's, that's all an the... interesting metaphor. I like it. <laughs> right? So people coming, people going. A big name appears to be leaving WWE. We'll start here. Sports Illustrated reports that Dean Malenko has quit the WWE. Of course, it sounds like there will be a natural landing spot for him at AEW. Uh, he'll still be uh, – he's going to be appearing at StarCast 2 now that it sounds like he's leaving the company. And it just looks like, you know, a lot of the older guard here, Dean Malenko, he's gone. Uh, Arn Anderson, he's gone. New writers coming in, new creative people, new producers – uh, you know, these older these older cats that were on the yard for a while, it sounds like they're going to be, you know, changing changing scenery here, heading to AEW possibly. It's interesting to hear about somebody like Dean Malenko, who was, you know, so renowned for his behind the scenes work. But also, you know, for those of you guys who have not been following the business for maybe as long as we have, this guy was at one point in time considered to be one of the best wrestlers in the world, known for all of his holds. He did tours with WCW. ECW, WWF, and so I think he brings all that knowledge, and going to AEW will be a huge benefit for them, uh, and on the contrary, WWE kind of 
to your point, Nick, ditching some of the old guard here yeah. is a fascinating transition mm -hmm. as they kind of lean more away from pro wrestling history, it feels like. Yeah, it is. It's a transitive time right now in the comp. We got younger agents. Got Abyss back there. Shane Helms is back there. You know, it, it's a, a crew of guys that understand, I think, the, the where the style is at right now. Not to say that Dean and Arn and these other guys can't put together great matches. But, you know, again, that this isn't the style that they wrestled, which has become the common style in WWE. It makes me wonder if we will see something in AEW that does feel a little bit more traditional. You know, considering... You know that the Bucks have really always been, you know, like the everybody describes, right? A lot of spots, a lot of a lot of fast-paced action there. That's not the case with Cody. Cody's matches have traditionally been more old school. You know, he knows how to slow it down and take his time. So I'll be interested to see what the effect of having some of these uh, producers over in an AEW environment uh, has on the on the product. You know. Well, it's going to feel more and more like, to me, it reminds me of the way WCW kind of scooped up a lot of the old school guys at that point in time in the early 90s, early to mid 90s, mm -hmm. and how WWF kind of leaned away from that back then and hired some kind of upstart riders like Vince Russo and, yeah. and various others. It feels similar. Not saying that we're, we're, you know, AEW is going to be back. Remember, WCW was hot by and large because of all the old school talent they brought in what they were able to do with that was some fresh blood so it's 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 interesting and I, I think it's exciting yeah it's very exciting yeah and Dean Malenko yeah I'm with you Dean Malenko was always one of my favorite wrestlers back at WCW uh his time in WWE was good but it's nothing like the classics he had in WCW with with guys like Eddie and you know Benoit you know at the time I mean there was a lot of great action dean had there um he was on the top of the pwi list back in the 90s at 1.2 right for yeah. wrestler of the year yeah well i mean dean malenko really kind of like daniel bryan in the sense where it's like didn't have the size but man the technical abilities yep. of that guy you know made you made him feel like such a more intimidating factor yeah absolutely i think that's yeah. a and that's a good dynamic for for aew to have to differentiate them uh, I saw Quackenbush, Mike Quackenbush. He put it out there. I would love to have a match with Dean Malenko. I don't think that I don't know that this would mean <laughs> Dean's gonna wrestle. I don't think. I don't know. I don't know what <laughs> Dean's health is like. How, what is he? He's almost. He's got to be almost sixty, right? Sure. What? A, look at dude. The Rock and Roll Express are as in demand right now as they've ever been. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Dean's fit, though. I mean, you think about Dean, and I don't know how many injuries he's had over his career, but Dean, when you see him, he is a dude that looks like he is in shape and ready to tumble at any point. So I w don't count it out, man. He could probably do it. All right. Uh, well, another uh, as we keep our as we keep our spotlight here on the revolving door at the front of the hypothetical WWE building, uh, Wrestling Observer reporting uh, WWE did have plans for Luke Harper to feud with Sami Zayn. But apparently those plans were nixed. And now that's what it sounds like. He may have put his frustrations out there, requested his release. Uh, they did not grant his release. So he'll be with WWE until like WrestleMania next year in 2020. Uh, what's interesting to note here, the observer, the observer comparing two releases or, or release requests at the same time. Harper not granted his release, but Dustin Rhodes was granted his release back in January. And apparently Triple H was the one who pushed Vince to allow Dustin Rhodes, a.k.a. Goldust, to leave, but Vince McMahon isn't budging on Harper. It sounds like anybody else. Um, let's speculate a bit here, or pundit, I should say. Why do you think Triple H went to bat to get Goldust his release? The only thing I can imagine, and it is weird, right? Why would Triple H do that? The only thing I can imagine is, number one, he's trying to still build up maybe a decent relationship with the guys over at AEW and sure. knowing that it would mean a lot to Cody. Uh, he did that, right? But also, Triple H probably didn't see a ton of value in having 
you know, dusty on the roster uh, and didn't want to see more discontent there with, with a legend and a true locker room veteran like that. So um, I don't know. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I, here's, I have of two minds. First of all, yes. I think the first thing you said was probably closer to the truth. Just trying to curry some favor with the competition here. You know, if there's a scenario where, you know, Vince buys, AEW, like you bought WCW, you're going to want to try to welcome those guys into the fold. Here's a bit of goodwill you can point to. But the other thing is, why would you want Dustin Rhodes on the road in the mix with WWE talent when you know he's a text message away from his brother and the entire other opposition? I don't want to call him a mole. (laughs) I don't want to say that he's a leak. But, I mean, of course, he's family and family talks. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. And I, I get why, too, right? Listen, they don't want to let Harper go because they know as soon as they do, Harper, we, we've talked about this before in the podcast, Harper's a great talent. And if he goes somewhere else, now I know he's getting, you know, he's not at the tail end of his career or anything, but if he goes somewhere else, he, there is still plenty of time to repackage him and build him into kind of a centerpiece. I'm not going to say the guy, but one of the guys in a promotion like AEW. So I can understand why WWE would want to be protective over a guy with that potential. Yeah, very. And I'm interested to find out, I would be interested to find out why why the feud with him and Zane, if it was pitched, why they decided not to go with it. Um, it could be several reasons, but I mean, Sammy's really stepped up here in the past couple weeks in finding a new voice as a heel. And I also wonder, you know, I don't know what the severity of Daniel Bryan's injury is or, or what happened at WrestleMania or anything like that. It's, we, we don't know, but I will say he's not around right now. And Sammy Zayn is certainly channeling a lot of that Daniel Bryan energy at the moment. And I wonder if they would not, I wonder if they would be allowing him to go out and push the buttons he's pushing right now, the way he's pushing them, pushing him, them, if Daniel Bryan had been healthy and was doing something very, very similar. Right, because those guys kind of do fill a similar niche. They have similar yeah. fan bases, I believe, as far as the internet fans appreciate them, but also the mainstream acceptance as them being heels. Yeah, it is. It is curious to your point that they're bringing him out there. I wonder if the original plan might have been for Sammy to come back as a, a good guy. Right, speculation here, pure speculation, sure. but. And feud with Harper as a heel. They've always positioned Harper as being a, a bad guy. They like their big bad guys, right? So mm-hmm. maybe whenever they flip the switch on that, Harper kind of got lost in the mix. Well, and yes, I mean, Sami Zayn didn't come out as the new character until, like, what, the day after WrestleMania? The two, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. In a very interesting timeline there about how all those things lined up, why Sami's doing his thing. And that's the thing. Maybe they said, you know, we got we'd love to do the Harper thing, but we got to create a, a top heel right now. And we could do that with Sami. So who knows? Um, uh, as we keep our focus here on the revolving door at the front of this hypothetical <laughs> WWE building, Fightful is reporting WWE offer has offered the revival a five-year, $500,000 per year deal. That's a big deal. Now, the, yeah. de- the deals the deals apparently have not been accepted yet. The revival... Uh, so the deals have not been accepted yet, right? We It sounds like they haven't signed anything. So on that note, how are they being treated right now? Well, on Raw last night, they were seen shaving each other's backs. In a locker room. After Raw went off the air, the revival then attacked Seth Rollins, who laid them out by double stops. Uh, doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like a lot of momentum there. That doesn't sound like five hundred thousand dollar talents. Not nothing against the revival because I absolutely think they are, are a great duo and worth lots and lots and lots of money. Right. But the way WWE has treated them both last night, especially with the shaving of the back segment, which was weird and also kind of rubbed me the wrong way for just a variety of reasons. I, I Come don't on. know. That- what are those reasons? 
it, it's just this perpetuation of like it's the toxic masculinity idea, right? Uh. So like these guys are locker room buddies. They go on the road together, right? Sometimes weird crap happens on the road, and you got to help your buddy shave his back, right? Sure. It is to be assumed that these guys are best friends and like brothers, right? So why is it so like terrible that somebody is shaving somebody else's back, right? Yeah, you can't get there. It's, and why does that? And, and more importantly. Why does that make them like bad guys as a result? And why is that the reason that the Usos are picking? It's just a terrible storyline all the way around for what should be a very simple booking. Two teams who both think they're the best in the world for very different reasons. The Uso high flyers, the revival old school wrestling. You pair them up. You let them cut some mean ass promos against each other. And that's money. Instead, they do this wacky shenanigans. I digress, though. So, again, they're not treating them like $500,000 talents. I believe they are. But it just shows that Vince and WWE are flexing that muscle right now to keep talent like the Revival on the roster because whether or not they use them appropriately, they know they add value somewhere else. Yeah. I, but that's the thing. It's like, how what how what is the value of all these guys right now? Are they all going to go over there and get high six-figure offers from AEW? I mean, that's that's wild to me that there's this much money flying around right now in the pro wrestling space. I mean, AEW would probably offer them what a hundred thousand, a two hundred thousand a year. They're not going to offer them five hundred k. Why do you, I, if they if the rival thinks that they're going to get offered two one or two hundred thousand dollars at AEW, I bet they'd assign five k five hundred k offers from WWE. I guarantee you, there's mi- a minimum half million dollar deal for those guys. I don't know if it's together or ind- individually. I would think individually um, over at AEW. If that's the money WWE is offering, I would bet it's over there at AEW as well. What do these guys make in, in NXT? They made what? A hundred thousand a year? Maybe. Maybe a hundred maybe maybe eighty. Yeah, I was gonna say no more than a hundred thousand a year, right? And they were a top talent in they were main event. They were main eventing pay-per-views down in NXT. Right. How is it that these guys come up to the main roster? And again, this is not discounting how valuable I think they are as talents, but how do they come up to the main roster? They get misused, abused, whatever else, and then a year later they're being offered five times the money for, for shaving backs. Well, <laughs> well, but the thing is the Bucks have a built-in feud with the Revival, you know, all the F the Revival stuff and all that. So to their to the Revival's fan base, there's value with the Revival, or to, to right. the Young Bucks fan base, which is the AEW fan base. I, I 100% agree. I see why they're valuable to AEW. I just think it's crazy that WWE is bumping up their offers based on what the Revival can do elsewhere. It just blows my mind that Vince is willing to flex that kind of muscle to keep them, to basically try to stomp out competition before it happens. Uh, PWInsider.com reporting, as we keep focus here on the revolving door at the, the front of the hypothetical WWE building, uh, creative team member Dave Schilling has now left the WWE. He'd only been there for two months. Before that, he'd written for Bleacher Report, Vice, Grantland. Um, but he is gone. He's been tweeting about pro wrestling and how he apparently doesn't understand pro wrestling. These are very recent tweets. Uh. <laughs> so, so he sounds a little frustrated. Um, so there you go. Uh, and as we talk about the revolving door here, uh, a name that could possibly be walking into the building. Joey Ryan has released his farewell to the Indies shirt on pro wrestling tees. Speculation he could be headed to WWE, maybe elsewhere. Uh, you know, all the, all the AEW guys don't have farewell to the indie shirts. You know, they all have mm-hmm. AEW shirts. I don't know what's going on here. 
Just a lot of D- Dave Schilling thing is interesting, and I'm gonna hit on that real quick, only okay. because he when he was going over there, he seemed like a very unique voice to be joining WWE. I think he had a lot to offer, and it's curious that he was not kind of accepted or he did not ex- he did not find his niche there. I should say is probably the better way to put that. So um, that's a curious uh, way to go. Two months there, I know he's very excited about it. If you follow him on Twitter about going over, they called it a dream job, I do believe. So um, hmm. interesting. Uh, what what this beast must look like from the inside that is wwe the joey ryan thing that's crazy to me there is the idea that wwe would be willing to joey ryan's a great talent but his whole gimmick is around his penis and the fact that wwe might entertain and possibly this is where we're going with this rumor could joey ryan be going to nxt or wwe i I just find that hard to believe i i agree (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I, the money for me is at AEW. I think this whole thing is just a bunch of smoke, and I think he'll he'll wind up saying goodbye to the Indies and hello to a uh, very stable, official second uh, competition to WWE AEW. You know? Yeah. yeah. There's just no way in my mind that his gimmick works in WWE. They, they, they can't repackage him in any way. They would make him Balvinus too, basically. Yeah, I, I wonder if he wouldn't consider New Japan. I don't know what kind of offer they'd be willing to make to him. You yeah. know, a guy like Joey Ryan would be, you know, very big in Japan. That's where he got famous, you know? Mm-hmm. So. And he would help bridge that American gap New Japan is continuing to try to build. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll, we'll continue to watch the Joey Ryan situation. We know that top NXT prospect and gymnast Stacey Irving Jr., has now also left a company. He uh, was someone we talked about a couple months ago here on the show. He had a concussion scare, and uh, apparently he uh, requested his release shortly after that. He made it all official yesterday in a post on social media, so uh, we'll see where Stacy winds up next. Um, uh, as we continue focused here on the revolving door at the, the hypothetical <laughs> WWE building. Such uh, a good metaphor, Nick. You really, you really nailed it with that one. Well, I tried to line up all the stories around the idea that there are people coming and going out of WWE. This person's not gone, but they are gone from our TV, and they are gone from the corner of one Bobby Lashley. Wrestling Observer reporting Leo Rush has backstage heat because he thinks he should be a top guy on Raw. Uh, he wasn't paired with Lashley last week in Raw's dark match. Yeah, to the best of my knowledge, I don't remember. Was he paired with Lashley and Raw last night? I don't think he was, right? He was not last night. No, uh, he was last. He came back last week, was it, when he was with Lashley again, or two weeks ago? It's two weeks ago now. So this is two yeah. weeks now he's been off. He did issue a, a first tweet alluding to the situation, uh, issuing a lot of facts that matter about how he's a passionate man and everything like that, and he's just trying to raise the, the situation for his family. He also tweeted that the dirt sheet reports are ridiculous. So... <laughs> You know, look, Leo Rush, this isn't the first time he's gotten uh, heat. Uh, what was it in NXT? He, who wasn't ready for, oh, Emma wasn't ready for Asuka. So she got fired, right? And everybody was like, how dare you make a joke about somebody actually losing their livelihood, you know? Yep. So, yep. Uh, who, you know, guy, the guy can talk, you know? You gotta you gotta know when to uh, kind of be a little bit more politically savvy than this. Also, if the rumors are true, he thinks he's a top guy on Raw. I just wonder what how what what illusions of grandeur does he have in his life? What me what mirror is he looking at every day? Leo Rush was a top guy on the independent scene, right? I mean, and then he comes into the land of the giants here, and you know, look, he he seems to think he was doing the right kind of posturing, and everything we've heard about Vince over the years is that he likes aggressive individuals and maybe leo rush just trying to you know edge his way into a situation maybe edge his way out of a situation here who knows but uh you know i guess we'll, we'll find out what the future of leo rush holds here but traditionally when people have been outspoken and, and fought for spots the back historically those people succeed in wwe 
It's true, but also those guys usually have a little bit more. Not saying Leo Rush's history on the Indies isn't worthwhile, but those guys have a little bit more going for them in that moment than other than Leo Rush essentially was Bobby Lashley's mouthpiece for the last year, and that's kind of what he's been used as. He's had a few matches. There's not much more to his story on the main roster than that, and so I think it's a little bit still grandeur in his mind, if you will. All right, well, we'll move away from the hypothetical front uh, revolving door of the building and look at the hypothe- or look at the actual revolving door going on inside of the building here because we are now in uh, Superstar Shakeup Week 3, Michael. It has rolled on. <laughs> is One ro- night only for three weeks a year. It has rolled over to a third week. We have had... Well, this is a revolving door, too, I guess, right? It's just inside the front office. Yeah, I mean, this- inside the, the building. Yes, this is, a, this is how you access the elevators inside the building. Um... The club has now been moved to Raw, where they lost to the Usos, and they called themselves Bulletproof. You know, this happened <laughs> just before. Well, we'll start there. This happened just before they did the revival backshaving segment, and my thought was the Usos, two, two birds, one stone here on behalf of the WWE with these tag teams. Yeah, they're, they're kind of putting some dirt on the guys who could go elsewhere and make some money, right? So, uh, weird promo, though. These guys, uh, the club, cut a promo that I think was not their forte last night. And no. Obviously, it felt very scripted. Oos. I say oos. <laughs> you say. Yeah, they just look foolish, right? I mean, it was just not their fault, but yeah. Big I like them on Raw, though. This is it should have happened two weeks ago. You paired them up with AJ Styles after he finishes feuding with Seth Rollins, make AJ heel again. I'd like to see these guys paired up one more time. Well, AJ signed his contract. Apparently, the Usos did, too. So they get pushed. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, what a message sent there. Usos signed their contract, and they're, they're beating guys and catching them shaving their backs. Um, hmm. uh, the B team has been moved to SmackDown, according to WWE.com. And uh, D- WWE, uh, in the past uh, week, has filed for the trademark to B-Team University. So I guess that'll be a thing. <laughs> what is that? Are they, like, teaching other tag teams how to go succeed in the world? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, something like that. I kind of thought we'd see uh, Bo join the uh, Firefly Funhouse uh, fracas, you know? They've they really steered clear of putting him with his brother or his real life brother, I should say. Like it, it's it's they've they've had some chances to do it, and I think it'd be really good for Bo. Oh sure, right? yeah, totally. I could see him; he'd be perfect. He already kind of embodies that kind of like because uh, you know he's that fakeness of trying to be a good person but always doing terrible things. That's like already kind of what he does, you know. Yep. So. Uh, B-Team University. Stay tuned. Uh, Money in the Bank. Got a couple Money in the Bank updates. Raw added Braun Strowman, Ricochet, Drew McIntyre, and Baron Corbin to the men's side of the match. First of all, two of these guys have already won and lost, Corbin and Braun, which they did rag Corbin about. Of these three, Ricochet would be the only person on the Raw side that I could see taking this. Briefcase. No, 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 no. You don't think McIntyre has a shot at it? Maybe. I mean, but it was weird. They tried to baby him a little bit last night on Raw, didn't they? Well, they did because he he bullied Corbin with the rest of them. But right. Yeah, I, I don't think Braun's got a chance. Who knows? The way the company pulls triggers sometimes and goes with things, maybe. But I, I, I like Ricochet. I don't think Ricochet's there yet. I don't think they're ready to put him in the main event slot just quite yet, maybe next year. McIntyre's my raw money guy from these four. Okay. I, I think it's – I don't think I – any honestly, I don't see any, I, any of these four guys – as the winners here, so we'll wait and find out on SmackDown tonight who the men add to it. But on the Raw side, we've got Natalia, Naomi, Dana Brooke, and Alexa Bliss. And this seems like a layup here to get Alexa Bliss 
back into the the women's main event picture where arguably I, I don't even I don't know how she hasn't been there if she's cleared to wrestle for a while now she was one of those compelling women in, on WWE's roster for a long time absolutely maybe they're just trying to find the right time but Alexa Bliss um she would be great to go up against Becky Lynch that, that would be a fantastic feud for the summer oh totally yeah and you know she could win it that night and you know Becky will have wrestled two matches at Money in the Bank you know what you could jump start Alexa Bliss back in the the women's title picture here pretty quick so um and Shane McMahon versus The Miz in a steel cage match has also been added to Money in the Bank uh, I like the. I don't. I don't feel like this is going to be the last match between these two guys. I don't know how much. How many? How many more months do you think they stretch this out between Shane and Miz? You, I mean, if you were being real conservative with these guys, kept them apart, you could last it until SummerSlam. But I, I think they're honestly. I think this could be it for them. I think they go into a steel cage. Miz gets back his win, and they move on to something else moving into the summer. I don't know, man. <laughs> I am glad. I, I felt for like a hot second there last night. They were going to drop the feud, and I got real worried because Miz wasn't addressing it. So I'm glad they are keeping it going and don't do what they do sometimes. They're like, well, look, he beat him up the other week, and now we're good, you know? So I, there's just, I mean, I feel like there's more road to go here with these two. There's so much actual animus here. And if I don't get a tag match where Miz and his dad take on Shane and Vince, then this is all for naught. This is what There's your SummerSlam match. That's how you get to. <laughs> what are we doing? Are oh. you, you know, you get Shane, you get Shane and Vince, and they're like billionaire Jim, like Rock. What was it, Rocky Four? We took on the Russian, or was it Rocky Three? No, then, it's like whatever Vince was training for uh, the Royal Rumble that one year in ninety ninety nine or whatever it was. Yeah, and then, <laughs> and then yeah, Miz has got George, his dad, and you know he's down in the, down in the old basement working out, teaching his dad some moves. You know, I could love. I just can't wait till we get. I think they're gonna get. You know, we get Roman Reigns and Miz in the same team against Vince and Shane. There's some built in. And then Shane gets offense against Roman Reigns. That'll be the that'll oh, that, be the day. Oh, that's right. Shane's got a Shane's got a swing from one vine to the next here. Now he's got to go from Miz to Roman. So you know what? You you might be onto something here. This this could be the end of it. Because um, you got to have Shane Roman on the horizon. That uh, that could be somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, uh, wrestling. Observer, that that bumps me out though. I really thought we were gonna get the tag match, Michael. I really did. <laughs> With a sack of potatoes in Miz's corner. Yeah, dude. Vince comes out and like Vince fighting George. Oh, this little, this guy's made a Play-Doh. I do think they do. Uh, if you look at the way Vince took that bump against Roman a couple weeks ago, it does seem like Vince is not much for the physical nature of the business anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I also get that vibe. But man, I just wanted to see it. I just want to see Vince yeah. and George like interact. I just want to see what that <laughs> looks like. <laughs> it uh, looks like what George does every time he comes out there. I guess. I don't know. I'm just I'm so intrigued by that in my head. I'm like, how do these two <laughs> men interact? What would that be like? Uh, all right, wrestling. Let's get to some injuries here. Uh, wrestling Observer reporting Jeff Hardy. Uh, his right knee injury is either bad enough that it needs surgery or he's just banged up. So that's quite a gamut. Um, decisions about uh, whether the Hardy Boys will keep their tag titles but made soon, possibly as soon as tonight. Because it's been announced that the Hardys are going to address their status on SmackDown. That doesn't sound too good. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, it could be. Or maybe they're announcing and they have a challenger set up. The, the SmackDown tag team division, though, is looking pretty thin these days after everybody else has been pulled to Raw, right? Totally. Agreed. you got a few teams over there. So it's interesting if they do have to give up the championships. Do they give Matt a different partner? Or do they just maybe disband and... Who knows? I think Who you knows? put him with Chad Gable, right? Chad Gable, obviously very easily influenced. You know, he wants to be, he wanted to be like Bobby Roode. Why wouldn't you want to be like Matt Hardy? Why wouldn't we want to see uh, attitude Ch Chad Gable? 
Is this just what Chad Gable does now? He jumps from tag team partner to tag team partner, winning championships. He'll have like, you know, 10 tag team championship runs with five different partners throughout his career. Sure. Well, I mean, why does he need to win this one? He just would be given this title, right? Matt gets right, the right. hand select his, his tag partner. Uh, it yeah. could be good. Uh, Matt Riddle revealed on Twitter that he was pulled from this past weekend's NXT live events due, a mi- due to a mild arm infection. But it sounds like he'll be back in action here pretty quickly. Uh, NXT referee did this story is crazy. NXT referee Tom Castor broke his leg during an NXT live match and finished the match with a three count. Fellow referee Drake Wirtz tweeted that while he was holding Castor's hand on the stretcher, he looked him in the face and said, Drake, I love this business. Give that man a five-year, $500,000 a year contract. That's crazy. Dude, there are talents on the roster who wouldn't think about doing this. Not even at this level. I mean, I'm just saying... At a house show, no less, Woo! right? At Woo! a live event. It's not even on TV. And I, I just, that's an incredible testament to this guy's toughness, Man. his mental toughness. Mm. Over. That guy will be moving up there. That's, this is the best story you could get if you were a referee. I mean, awful injury. You never want to cheer on somebody getting hurt. But this guy's going to come back and people are going to be like, yeah, I know that guy. He's the ref that broke his leg and finished the match. That's, that's incredible. But he gets Leah Rush's spot on Raw. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, and uh, finally on our injury report here, Liv Morgan claimed on Twitter that she broke her toe on a stripper pole. <laughs> this is like one of those segments on the, um, uh, what is that show with, uh, with uh, MTV where they show the clips of everything? Um, what's that guy? Ridiculousness? What? Is it ridiculousness? With- yeah, it's like ridiculousness, right? That's what this feels like right here. They have the video. She breaks her toe, professional wrestler on a stripper pole. Ridiculousness is just a knockoff of Tosh.0, by the way. Um, Which is just a knockoff of, like, America's Funniest Home Videos. <laughs> yeah, but Tosh is funnier. <laughs> I'm just Bring saying, back Bob Saget for this. Come on. Daniel Tosh, much funnier than Rob Dreisick. Anyway, uh, yeah, this is a ridiculous story. This got a lot of traffic on the site. Michael, can you believe it? You know why? Because you put Liv Morgan in a headline with stripper pole. Uh, agreed. Go. Agreed. Man, I guess, you know, she she understands the news. She understands the media. She does what the fans want. Vince is like, man, this this woman is over now. Let's put her up there. People are like, who if right now listening to us? Who is Liv Morgan? Which one is she? Um, I should have added this next story here at the top when we were looking at the the rotating doors because it looks like Dean Ambrose may have officially left the building. He has uh, he has been added to the WWE alumni section, and uh, he gone. He gone. Can the rumors stop now? He's done. He's not there. He's not staying, people. This is not an elaborate work. I'll believe. I'll believe that he is not with WWE when I see him show up elsewhere. Until then, I don't know. It's, it's all. I don't. Dude, it's just like, how do you give that guy that kind of a send off if he's gonna go be like a, a headliner for some of your competition? Unless he has some kind of agreement. Unless he he told WWE. I mean, there is a. There's still this thing about honor and pro wrestling, right? And if Maybe he straight up told him, listen, I, I'm not going to go anywhere else. Cross my heart and hope to die, but I am not going to resign. <laughs> that sounds like something Vince would agree to. That sounds, that sounds reasonable. Seriously, Look at the gonads on this kid. <laughs> Why is Tyler, Bra- Tyler Breeze not caught shaving Dean's back or something like that? Where was that treatment? <laughs> oh, man. Speaking about getting the treatment, you check out Bray Wyatt's new WWE merchandise. Dude. <laughs> Are they trying to kill his his momentum here? He's been the best thing on Raw for two weeks going, which meant a lot more last week than this last night, I would say. But <sighs> well, the the, vin, the new that, vignette was great. 
by the way, but yeah, there's yeah, no- it was it was a fun segment. But that shit, you know about the red shirt. I mean, I love Bray. Okay, so Bray Wyatt had the um, Dude. they had this terrible looking shirt. They looked revealed. That was a real shirt, right? The red one with the square box. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Saw that. yeah. No, I mean, sometimes that that team, that merch team, to be top of the business, they really sleep on designs. And so Bray Bray Wyatt, of course, releases the the straight black shirt and says, "Here's this new merch." So I love that. But man, that that design team, I worry about them sometimes. Uh, the black album. This is Spinal Tap. You know, it's it's all black. It's yeah. all black. Can we see our name? Um, yeah, this is a these are garbage shirts. These are trash. What's going on here? Um, Bray Wyatt deserves better than this with the the Firefly Funhouse. You can do. You can release the puppets. I mean, there's so much you can do. I love the. I like how they expanded the universe last night by showing us more of the characters behind the scenes. So much you can do with the merch here. I hope they really do double down on this. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I love shareholders. That's what he tweeted out like Thursday or whatever. Because I guess the the stockholder. I love stockholders. Whatever. They're all the the people have money invested. In the company are raising eyebrows. I guess about this. Why? 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 They're wait, wait, wait. They're okay with. Um, I mean, this was beforehand, but people shaving others' backs being the perp- impetus for storylines, but actually well-produced segments get eyebrow raises. Yeah, dude. I mean, you look. You got. You can't. You can't teach kids what sociopaths are, right? That's not okay. What you can do is teach them about the the world of toxic masculinity, as our own Michael Weissman was so clearly, cleanly putting out there. <laughs> the actual message being sent out. Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, so, so here's the argument too you make, right? So you have two brands. Why, why do both of your brands have to be PG? Why can't one of your brands be a little more edgy? Not saying we go back to TV, you know, 14 all the way, but why can't maybe SmackDown on whatever? Why can't one of these brands have a little bit more pizzazz to them and push the envelope while one of them is your safe P- PG brand? Yeah, uh, wait and see again here. But yeah, Bray Wyatt, happy to troll along these shirts with the rest of us. Uh, Brock Lesnar. Uh, was doing an interview in Australia recently on stage with some big event. He noted it was his third time that he's ever sat down for an interview like this, and it was because his lawyers – it's not that he doesn't like to do interviews. He just said that his lawyers told him it's in his best interest to not do interviews because he's so blunt and can get himself in trouble. <laughs> good advice. He has good lawyers. He pays them well. So he did note the, – the big note uh, coming out of this was that he's been offered different movie roles by The Rock over the years, but he's always turned them down because it would require him to lose to The Rock, which he will not do. Oh my God, yeah. dude! He is—he lives his life, man. He is who he says he is. I will not play a villain in Rampage because I will not have the Rock defeat me. Man, I would have—I would have watched Brock play that big monkey. That would have been amazing. Right, right. Oh man, do you reckon like Brock thinks that like if he loses to the Rock, then the Rock will now get a bigger money deal in WWE than he like? Is there some kind of like? He does know The Rock put him over at SummerSlam back in 2003 or whatever it was, right? He, yeah, well, that well, I don't know what you're talking about. Brock Lesnar defeated The Rock in a legitimate sporting contest. That's what he does when he go, when he shows up, you know? Legitimate outings. Nothing but. <laughs> oh, 2002. You're saying, yeah, shoot match. Shoot matches. Always, right? He doesn't know the difference anymore. Uh, Seth Rollins got him, got him, got him good. He's like, don't put your head down. The dude will stomp you. You know, what are you gonna... <laughs> All right. uh, Alexa Bliss joined in the fracas that is the tweets amongst the women in WWE's locker room, all throwing shade at one another, uh, telling Bailey uh, that she'll leave room for her and her friend on the locker room floor, uh, alluding to the reports that were out there about Sasha and Bailey. Um, you know, 
not enjoying what happened at WrestleMania. They just pack it up. This women's division is done. Let's, it's over. No, it's what, fine. what the hell's going on back there? It's look, the women are very compelling. The stuff with Lacey and Becky on Raw was like the probably the best thing on the whole show. Honestly, yeah. you know, well, you, you want to know why? So, so a couple of things about that. Number one, the reason that worked, I I totally agree. I think the second best thing, because again, I love the the Bray Wyatt Funhouse stuff, right? But you saw a side of Lacey Evans that was real. And I, I, I saw her when they pulled her away, right? When they broke them up and they were dragging her to the back, you saw Lacey Evans have real expression and emotion. And I'm like, I want to see more of that Lacey Evans, not this garbage Lacey Evans that come out here and pretends to be a Southern belle. Let me see that Lacey Evans. And then they cut to the graphic and she was back up on all of her garb. And I'm like, I'm over this. Right. But, but to your point, it was compelling because we got to see who these people are. It's why Becky has been so compelling on social media for months and months and months. Now, I know they're trying to kind of limit, it seems like curtail her a little bit based off of what she's tweeting, but real compelling people make for compelling characters, yeah. not dolled up, made up, whatever. The women's division, for whatever, for, for however they got there, the women use social media like MMA fighters use social media. The men in WWE don't really do it as much. It's very weird to me how the women have gravitated towards this style, which feels much more real and sure. you know the stakes are higher. Yeah. Um, Maybe it's because Vince has followed them on Twitter. I don't know. Vince is still following CM Punk on Twitter. That's so weird to me. It's so Vince weird. doesn't even use his own Twitter. Let's just be honest. I uh, Somebody <laughs> pointed that out to me the other day, and I was like, no way. He doesn't follow CM Punk on Twitter. And then I, boom, looked over there, followed Punk and AJ, one of the 52 people he follows. I'm like, what's going on? Oh my God. I will tell you this. Don't follow Vince McMahon on Twitter because he re- rarely tweets anything of interest. But if you follow at Vince Googling, which is Vince McMahon Googling, it's the greatest thing on Twitter of all time. I follow Vince because I got to know when everybody's birthday is. Oh, um, so <laughs> sorry. Don't follow. I check. Don't follow at Vince Googling. That is not a recommendation because there are some really <laughs> inappropriate tweets on there. Anyway, uh, uh, Boston. Red. Speaking of Sasha Banks here, Boston Wrestling MWF spoke with Tony Atlas. Uh, and Tony said that Sasha Banks has made the biggest mistake of a wrestling career by walking out on WWE like this, because if she changes her mind and gets brought back, or decides to come back, they're not going to treat her well. Uh, and if she does stay away, she's going to be out of the spotlight for a long time here and lose value to her brand. Um, first of all, what do you think of Tony's comments here? I think that he said what a lot of people are thinking out loud. I, I disagree. I, listen, here's the bigger deal, right? Vince McMahon has created an environment, WWE has created an environment where the talent don't have the upper hand, which creates what we have here where you do what the company says or you're out. And I think that Sasha, she is energetic enough. She is engaging enough. She can go somewhere else and people will follow her. She has created a scene around her. And I think we talk about CM Punk. If CM Punk went back to WWE right now, he would be received in a way and they would promote him in a way because they know he has money. And so I think Tony Atlas is toeing the company line when he says something like that. And I disagree wholeheartedly. I, I think that, yes, she being a little bit childish about it, but if talent don't stand up for themselves sometimes, they all feel like they have to toe the line and they have to be troops and they can't ever be commanders. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I wanted to say real quick about Tony Atlas. Um, did you watch Dark Side of the Ring? Have you seen the Bruiser Brody episode? I have not seen it yet. Dude, you got to watch it, man. Tony Atlas, like, bears his soul about what happened with his friend. Mm. I, I really want to. It's on my it's on my list, but Great. twenty thousand things in the entertainment industry right now, right? Um, well, uh, speaking of stuff that you should go out of your way to check out, uh, Wrestling Observer reporting that Starcast Two will be allowed to show the Bret Hart versus Tom McGee match, uh, the the holy grail of wrestling matches, lost to the ages, and uh, it should make as a it, it should be a match this 
is going to be aired as a make good on WWE's behalf for pulling Undertaker from StarCast 2. Brett and Tom are going to appear, discuss the match. And it should also be noted that Mark Henry is going to be appearing at StarCast 2, but that is not part of the make good. It was just something that was independently booked and he's been announced for here. But there you go. The little bit of good favor thrown WWE's way. You can show Bret Hart versus Tom McGee. Yeah, it feels very much like, hey, oh, we're doing this for you, right? But I don't think it's a make good. Not for pulling the Undertaker. That's yeah. a big talent. That's a big loss. Yeah. Bret, Bret Hart is a good game. Don't get me wrong. And this discussion could be interesting, but it appeal, appeals to a very different niche of fans. Well, I'll say I'll be at StarCast, too. And I'm definitely going to be in the room for this thing. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. But I don't know if it's the same as having the Undertaker there, obviously. Um, well, you teased at the top of the show. There were some big shows over the weekend. Let's talk about uh, some of the, the details coming out of these uh, two bigger shows. Ring of Honor and the NWA brought back the Crockett Cup this past Saturday night. PCO and Bruiser Brody won the Crockett Cup. They captured the NWA tag team titles. Uh, happy for them. Allison Kay captured the NWA Women's Championship. Colt Cabana captured the NWA National Championship. And Nick Aldis retained the NWA World's Championship in a match over Marty Skrull. Uh, what, what are your takeaways here from the, uh, I, the results? I mean, number one, I was very sad. It was here in North Carolina, but I already had plans and bought tickets to go see Avengers Endgame in Raleigh, so I could not make it there. I am devastated because this card, from everything I heard, from everything I saw, was phenomenal from top to bottom. And you see NWA right here positioning itself to continue to grow, right? You, you talk about a name like Colt Cabana, right? Not as the biggest name in pro wrestling. People, people recognize it. So putting a championship on him means something. Nick Aldis feuding with the face of Ring of Honor, right? Uh, or one of the is faces he, of Ring of Is he, though? I'm starting to wonder about that. Because Marty lost at, at MSG, and then he lost here again to Nick Aldis. And I'm wondering if he's not kind of become the, the punching bag, last one left over, from the guys that left for AEW in a way, you know? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, not to a certain it, extent, maybe, but I think no. fans still associate him with Ring of Honor. Well, look, I, I'm not going to say, look, being in the main event of two, the two big shows is not really like punishment, a lot of people would say, right? <laughs> um, but look, he's not the one who's getting another ROH World title shot next from Villain Enterprises. PCO is. You know, sure. PCO is the one the fans are chanting for. PCO holds like three titles right now you know i i i feel like they're using marty to get everyone else over but i don't really see him as the face of roh it, not 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 at the moment hey, you're right and I, that's why i said one of the i kind of correct myself one of the faces right you're exactly right he's not the guy but he has some name cachet from that company and i think again nick all disputing with outside talents nwa is not obviously they don't have an illustrious roster like some of these other indies do but that's a name that does mean something on the Indies, and Nick Aldis, uh, in a brutal match, retaining here, continues to elevate that championship. I've, I've said it for weeks. Nick Aldis is one of the best things on the wrestling scene right now that not enough people are talking about. Um, and so, all, all in all, good stuff here from Crockett Cup and a lot of uh, big things, I think, that set them up for success in 2019. And the following night, Impact presented Rebellion. Brian Cage captured the Impact World Championship in a barn burner with Johnny uh, Johnny Impact there. Wound up bashing his head open up pretty bad. Uh, he was also rushed to the emergency room following the match for a back injury he suffered when taking a Spanish fly off the stage to the ground. Uh, Cage claimed on Busted Open yesterday morning that it's just some severe bruising, maybe at most a small fracture, but he should be fine. He'll be back to it in short order. And following his capturing the Impact World Championship, we saw Michael Elgin of New Japan Pro Wrestling make his debut, confront Cage, and lay him out with a power bomb. Before we get to the other two notes here from uh, that, what'd you make of the match here between Cage and, and Johnny and, and Michael Elgin coming out afterwards? That was a hell of a bout. It was brutal. Uh, it was intense, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I like the move here. 
I think, you know, um, Johnny here, Johnny Impact is, is a guy that is a huge talent, right? Him putting over Brian Cage like this sets Brian Cage up for success. I think it's an interesting move by Impact. I don't know that I like the Michael Elgin story only because Elgin's a good guy as far as what he can do in the ring, but I think he carries a lot of baggage. I don't always, eh, what, what do we do here? Mixed bag in the comment section is what you're saying about Michael Elgin. Yes, yes, yes. But but all in all, you know, Impact really doing some smart things in this match. And again, kudos to Brian Cage. This dude, uh, bruised back, uh, maybe a fractured back, and he continues the match, and then he takes that powerbomb from Michael Elgin. That's just insanity to me. Yeah, agreed. He's the machine, you know, or yeah. deservedly. And of course, the other two big notes I thought coming out of the show last night. First of all, I, or not last night, but Saturday night I, or Sunday night. I thought Rebellion was a great show. I enjoyed it pretty much top to bottom. Tessa Blanchard and Gail Kim went toe to toe. Gail came out of retirement for this match. Big embrace with her and Tessa afterwards. Thought did a lot to elevate Tessa Blanchard in this bout. Uh, also, LAX captured the Impact Tag Team Championships after beating the Lucha Brothers in full metal at a full metal mayhem match. Another blowaway bout. They all hugged out. What did you think of the curtain call at the end of this bout here, with everybody involved hugging and you know saying goodbye? Yeah, it's 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 a it's a special moment, I think. You know, but but you talk about that match, that Full Metal Mayhem match, and what it did, and and how it elevated the, the entire card, but also those tag team championships. Um, it it felt special, and I think that's one of the things Impact has not had in a long time was these kind of bigger than the card moments and that was definitely one of them so yeah it's it's newsworthy and like you said top to bottom a really solid outing from impact they're really doing some good stuff over there i i wholeheartedly agree Uh, callahan rich swan hell of a a no dq match that thing was insane uh there was just good stuff top to bottom the jordan grace tie of valkyrie i thought another good match even scarlet bordeaux uh, and uh, Rohit Raju, I thought was very fun and kind of, it sounds like, thrown together here last second. On that note, I'm going to interview Rohit here in just a little bit. That'll be on the show tomorrow, so we'll get to hear nice. from him. Yeah. Um, so, good show. I agree with everything you said about the tag match. The only thing that was a little weird to me was at the end, after the curtain call moment where they all hugged, like the whole Impact roster came out and was in the ring, and it felt like like the end of an episode of SNL to me. <laughs> Where it's like the whole cast comes out. I almost like in my head, I could hear the SNL like go out music, you know. (laughs) Well, Michael Elgin comes out and stands in the middle because he's the guest host for the week. (laughs) Uh, If anybody wants to do that mashup for me, by the way, I would really I would enjoy seeing those closing moments set to the SNL closing song. Um, In the AEW world, the latest AEW over the budget battle royal news, the best friends, Chuck Taylor. Uh, and Tripperetta have been added to uh, the AEW over the bat- budget battle royal. I wish we had more time here, but I do think that it is interesting that all the executive vice presidents of AEW are in marquee matches, and a lot of the other talent they seemingly have quote unquote signed or whatever, they're all getting thrown in this battle royal. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a discussion for another day. I think you're right. Uh, <laughs> right? It's, it's always it's, it's the classic thing about promoter versus talent, right? Yeah. A lot of promoters have been talents on their own promotions, and yeah. how do you honestly and selflessly toe that line? It's a challenge. Yeah, it or at least not give the appearance that you're being biased and partial to yourself. 
Yeah, maybe we will have this discussion when we have more time. This is too much news. Um, just an interesting observation there. And finally, Lucha Underground, um, uh, Lucha Central reporting Montaza, a.k.a. Jeff Cobb, Famous B, and Exolicious, a.k.a. Sunny Kiss, are now seeking legal action against Lucha Underground to also receive their full releases. Uh, SoCal Uncensored, the outlet, not the entity in wrestling, uh, has also revealed that Lucha Underground and AAA's Dorian Rolden has threatened to, threatened to sue Ring of Honor and NWA for their use of Willie Mack uh, at uh, the Crockett Cup, who is currently under a Lucha Underground contract. WTF, I thought this was over. Give them all their releases. What is going on here? You don't have a show right now. I don't get it. Feels like a lot of posturing, man. It always feels like, you know, people are just kind of in these pissing contests sometimes to protect their assets or whatever, quote unquote, you want to call it. I don't know. It's weird. Strange. The 46th annual Hornell Sports Night kicking off with WWE Hall of Famer and 1996 Olympic gold medalist, the legendary Kurt Angle. And uh, Kurt, thank you so much for joining us. And first off, just tell us about this event and how cool it is to be here. I think it's really cool that um, you have so many people that care about your programs here that they would have a sports night and bring in celebrity athletes across the board from different sports. Um, it's really special, and uh, it's great to be a part of it. It really is. And, uh, I know, um, obviously, just a few weeks ago, removed from WrestleMania, and uh, I was down there, uh, capacity crowd, 80,000 plus, and uh, taking on... Uh, you know, none other than Baron Corbin. And was this the, the match you had hoped to end your career with? I don't think it's the match that I hoped for. I think it was the match that should have happened. Um, Baron and I have been doing a program for a year now. Um, I decided that um, I wanted to retire at WrestleMania. So I kind of put Vince McMahon in a position. What does he do? Does he go with Baron Corbin, who... I was supposed to go with, or do we change it up to John Cena or AJ Styles or whoever else? Um, it was, it wasn't really anyone's fault. It was just the fact that the timing was Baron Corbin, and it was the right decision. And uh, obviously, uh, of course, the nice send off with the fans, the, the final chant at WrestleMania, that the "You Suck" chant was going on, which is always uh, synonymous with Kurt Angle. But I, uh, uh, just tell us about a lot of guys when they. They say, hey, I'm retired from wrestling. I'm retired from the industry. They end up coming back. Uh, Shawn Michaels is an example of that. Uh, is that too far ahead to look at? Is that something you think about? I, I don't plan on wrestling again. Um, you know, if, if it ever something came about, um, maybe my son Jason Jordan comes back and wants me to tag with him. Maybe, but for the most part, I'm good. Um, my body, I put it through hell the last 20 years, and... Uh, I know how I feel now, and I know that I want to have a quality of life after wrestling and um, want to be able to play with my kids and hold them, and I'm 50 years old. I've been wrestling amateur and pro for the last 45 years, so uh, it's time for me to step down. Well, you know, it's been a magical ride and a magical career, and from the milk truck, which we, we know about that, which was crazy, and probably the greatest Hall of Fame speech I've ever seen, throwing the milk down, man, that was that was awesome. But, uh, uh, just a couple quick wrestling questions as well. Uh, also do things for WrestlingInc.com, so it's, it's really cool to, to be here with you here tonight. And uh, just tell us about, I, I go back in time, and I think about that match with Shane McMahon at King of the Ring. And you guys just took it to a high level, maybe the highest level we've seen. Uh, what made you guys want to go to that level? Well, Shane and I were both fairly new to the scene. Um, we were young, we were dumb, 
Uh, we did a lot of crazy stuff. But we had, we structured the match to be very physical. We didn't expect it to be as physical as it was. Um, you know, I'll give you an example. The, the glass that Shane went through, that was supposed to be sugar glass. It was the wrong glass, it was plexiglass. So we got, we got injured pretty badly. I know Shane, um, he had a, a, a few stitches that night, you know, in the hospital, me too. Um, but the match just, you know, it erupted into something that many fans feel could have been one of the best street fights of all time. I'm not a street fighter, I'm a wrestler, so part of me is very honored to be a part of that match, but part of me is thinking, what the hell's wrong with you? Why would you do that? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> you, you're a wrestler, you wrestle in the ring, you have yeah. wrestling skills, you're an Olympic gold medalist. So it was kind of cool to be a part of that match, but you will never see me in another match like that again, that's for sure. No more glass, you know, no more glass, man. Going back to that time, but uh, I'd be certainly, uh, I don't want to miss this opportunity to ask you about the milk truck. I mean, no question, one of the greatest Raw moments in history, spraying Stone Cold Steve Austin, Deborah and the Alliance in the ring. Uh, talk about how that origin of the idea came about, but also how, how fun was that to spray people with milk? Well, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin did the beer truck, uh, I think, three years prior, and that was a big hit. And since I had a program with Steve, um, the writers and uh, Vince McMahon decided to uh, have Kurt Angle bring in the milk truck. And, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't expect to have something like that, and I didn't really know how monumental it would be until later on in my career. But it's really cool to be a part of things like that because uh, that's what fans remember the most. They They'll remember your matches, but they remember the moments. I, I, I said that in my Hall of Fame speech. Fans remember particular moments in your career, and, and, and it stays with them forever. And that kind of moment was something really special. Yeah, and we're going to remember that forever in WWE lore. And, uh, and obviously right now you do so much, the Angle Strong app, helping recovering addicts, helping people, helping your fellow man, which is so special. And it, what an honor that is to do. Um, Moving forward, uh, what would you what would you want your legacy to be and be remembered as? And also, um, looking back on your career and thinking about some of those moments, does it crystallize more that you're kind of stepping away? Well, yeah, I mean, I don't think I've really felt the full impact yet of how it feels to be retired because I'm, I'm fresh off of WrestleMania match. Uh, but, you know, I, I do look at my life and... I've been really selfish my first half of my life. Um, everything has been about me. Um, the Olympics, pro wrestling, the movies I've done, uh, the life I've lived, the traveling all over the world. Um, now it's time for me to you know, sit back and, and let my kids do their thing. And I need to be there for them. So um, I'm, I see a, a different pattern in my life. And it's, it's no longer being served, it's to serve others. And, uh, I'm doing that with my Angle Strong app, my kids, I take them to their sporting events, I do homework with them. Uh, it's really about them now, and I'm going to enjoy it as much as I can. Um, I'm going to miss wrestling, I'm going to miss you know, the things that I've done, the things I've accomplished in amateur and pro wrestling. That was my life, and uh, now it's a new journey for me, and it's going to be very, very difficult to just step away and say, I feel good about it. But I'm okay right now, yeah. <laughs> and it's all that matters. I love it, and I think, you know, if you've mastered so much, you become a master of self, whether in wrestling, the WWE, 
ankle strong app, uh, certainly a thing called life you can master. And uh, we all know this. And uh, last thing here tonight here at Hornell Sports Night, the 46th annual Kurt Angle is, what's next for Kurt aside from, of, of course, family? Uh, is there a Legends deal in store for WWE? And, and obviously coming off a general management role, which was probably pretty challenging, which he did in SmackDown too before. Uh, being a general manager is harder than wrestling. It really is. You're, you're involved in every storyline and there's so much to remember and it just gets confusing, you know. Uh, but um, I carried that role as good as I could and I thought I did okay at it. Um, but my, my, you know, my future, I signed a five-year deal with WWE. Uh, I'm going to do some part-time quote unquote you know if they need me in front of the tv maybe managerial uh where i would be managing wrestlers but the most important thing is i'm going to be a producer i'm going to help the wrestlers with their technique um, i'm going to help them structure the matches it's something i'm very good at and i thought i'd be able to um contribute to the company we can't wait to see it all unfold. Kurt Angle, 1996 Olympic gold medalist and WWE Hall of Famer, Hornell Sports Night. He's here. It's true. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's damn true. <laughs> Kurt, thank you so much. Good thank you very much. My guest at this time will be the official host of AEW's Double or Nothing weigh-in and press conference. She's also a comedian, actress, and writer. It's Jennifer Decker. Jennifer, thank you very much for taking the time to chat today. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Now, you're pretty cool because I liked that I got to do a little research on you. You've worn so many hats, it seems like, in your career. Um, but before we even go... Literal on... and figurative. <laughs> lots of hats. Lots of hats. Um, haberdashery over there with Jennifer Decker. Um, but before we even started recording, it sounded like you were doing... You were wearing another hat. Uh, what are you doing right now? Why are you walking into a meeting with Alberto Del Rio in a couple minutes? Oh. I mean, it's a strange life I live. I was just, I'm sorry I'm late giving, you know, calling in, but I, uh, I'm actually running into a meeting for a production that I'm working on this week. I work with a company called Combate Americas. It's a uh, fight promotion that's a lot of uh, Mexican and Latino American fighters, and it's, it's a phenomenal card we have this week. It's going to be on Friday, this Friday. It's called uh, Combate Reinas, and it's actually some of the best female fighters in the world. And it's a lot of names that you haven't heard of that they're trying to give voices to. And I'm just so proud to be not only to be obviously working for a company that gives women this kind of platform, but um, I get to work alongside Alberto Del Rio, which is pretty fun considering I haven't worked with him since I was uh, briefly with NXT. Yeah. So uh, what is what is Del Rio like? You know, talk to me about, you know, him. And I think you had mentioned to me before, too. It sounds like he might have another fight here coming up in the future, possibly. He's, you know, he's been nothing but cool to me. You know, I'm sure there's mixed reviews about anyone you meet um, on the internet, but uh, the company in general has been just an absolute blessing to work for. Uh, it's really expanded my my Spanish <laughs> because I do not speak fluent Spanish. I speak like kitchen Spanish from when I used to wait tables a lot, mm. but that's the extent of my of my knowledge. So they've been really cool about like helping me through the process. My uh, I first worked with them down in Cancun a couple years ago, and I rejoined the team recently back down in Monterey, Mexico, and now they're here in Los Angeles this week. Yeah. And like you said, uh, they just told me when I was in Monterey that uh, Alberto Del Rio will be coming out of retirement as an MMA fighter. So they're still looking to announce who he's going to be fighting, but everything I'm hearing 
it's a no miss fight. Like you have to see this fight. Man, that's crazy. And you mentioned here before, you know, before we even get to the AEW stuff here, of course, you just like threw it out there. You know, since your time in NXT, uh, take me back here. How did you get involved in NXT and WWE? What was that experience like for you? Oh, my God. Uh, That was probably it was the end of 2012. They put out like this, this casting call, you know, because they were looking for new divas, as they were calling them at the time. And I mean, look, any little girl that grew up watching professional wrestling wanted to be a diva. You wanted to be, you know, Trish Stratus. You wanted to be Lita. You know, I didn't want to be one of the pretty girls having the underwear match. Like I wanted to be one of the badasses that was like jumping off the top rope, particularly Lita. Like I was a Lita girl. Um, but I, I applied for this open casting that they had and I had just come off having a lot of uh, recent health issues mm-hmm. and had really worked my way back to being healthy and, in pretty decent shape. And so when I got the call from them that I made it through the cut and I was going to be going through camp, I mean, I just was, I was in tears. I was so excited. Uh, we, we held the camp in Los Angeles. What well, was actually like more down in like Torrance in this um, wrestling facility they have down there. And we were trained with uh, Bill DeMont and it was uh, me, uh, Ava Marie, you know, Natalie, Ava Marie, uh, my girlfriend, CJ, who I came up with, who now people know as Lana. Yeah. Um, and just a whole crew of girls. JoJo was in that class. So it was really cool that I got to work alongside some of the people that have, you know, made it to the top of the food chain. What was that, uh, what was that training camp like for you? Describe to me what they, what they put you through during that. <laughs> oh, what they put me through? Or the um, group, I don't know. I got put through a broken neck. <laughs> I, uh, I, was, I think I was Natalie Ava Marie's first botch. <laughs> So I guess I have that record to hold. But other than that, um, I got injured probably two and a half weeks into camp and didn't get to finish. But they never really had plans to use me as like a diva per se. They wanted to use me more on the announcing side. And uh, for whatever reason or not, it just didn't work out. But I spent a lot of time in Orlando and worked with, uh, you know, Todd Phillips and Michael Cole a little bit and Jr. And that's where I met Jr. And he and I had become, you know, great friends and He's really kind of mentored me throughout the process. We've worked together on a couple of different projects. So it's really cool that I get to be reuniting with him at AEW. That is many things, many follow-up questions. Okay, wait. First, <laughs> Eva Marie broke your neck? Is, did I get that right? Yeah. I mean, I so I had a concussion. I had a I had a stress fracture in my neck and it was um they they were just like you're done. Uh so I got to watch uh and I I, it was so hard watching other girls like progressing in their training and stuff like that. And I was kind of on the sidelines and I was like, Oh, this takes me back to like, you know, elementary school gym when I wasn't as athletic as everybody else. Um, but you know, like I, I think everything happens for a reason. And, uh, I always have said that I have the, uh, the heart of Muhammad Ali as a fighter, but I have the body of like a 98 year old woman. <laughs> like I'm just made out of graham crackers. Or at least my neck is. Oh man. Well, how was he, how were you with Eva afterwards? Was there heat? No heat? What was oh, like? she's, she's fine. Yeah. That, that whole crew of women was, was great, you know, and, um, a lot of us still keep in touch, uh, you know, particularly obviously Lana and I, because we have such a history because we went to college together. She was yeah. part of the group that I created in college called the cowgirls. We were basically unofficial mascot to Florida State University. So, um, she approached me when I was there, uh, my senior year and she was like, 
I really think it's cool what you've been able to do and how you've been able to use it to create a job and entertainment for yourself. I really want to do what you're doing. I just have no idea how to do it. Teach me, you know? And so I kind of mentored her through the process and um, I've never met someone so hungry to, to succeed. If you tell CJ, Lana, whatever you want to call her, she always be CJ to me. But if you tell CJ she can't do something, she's going to work that much harder to prove you wrong. So it's been really cool to watch her and some of the other girls climb their way up. What was, uh, I'm nervous to ask this question, but what was Lana like in college? <laughs> um, she was super sweet. Uh, and she'll be the first person to say it, a little naive. Uh-huh. Um, but it's because, you know, she had been, she, she, she was from Europe, you know, her family was from over there. That, that part of her story is real, uh, not okay. cave hibs. And so she was just, um, she just really wanted to believe in the good in everyone. And I still see that side of CJ all the time, but I do think that her time in the entertainment industry has taught her to be a lot more savvy. And, you know, and I've definitely been a part of that as far as like teaching her and how to not let people run all over you and teaching her how to be strong for herself and stand up for herself and, be a good role model. So, I mean, it's definitely been a, uh, a long road for her, but I mean, I, no one's happier for her than I am. All right. Two, two questions about Lana and then we'll get, we'll get back on track with non Lana things. Okay? <laughs> no problem. First question. Uh, what do you think about how her and Rusev get used in WWE? Are you hashtag salty about their push in WWE right now? I am. I am wearing my hashtag salty hat right now. It literally <laughs> says salty across my forehead. Um, so great. I, I feel that way about a lot of talent, though. It's not just CJ. It's not just CJ and Miro. I feel I feel so badly for so many of my friends that I've made uh, that are on the main roster that I know have just limitless talent and uh, for whatever reason or not, just aren't getting the opportunities that others are, you know, I think that WWE is starting to make changes. Um, but I mean, obviously I'm not privy to any of their inside stuff. Um, other than what my friends tell me and I would never share that anywhere, but, um, I, I do, I do feel bad for people that I know have so much more to give, uh, wrestling fans, you know? Yeah, I will. I will. I will get to my second Lana question here, but since we're chatting about it, like in general, just from you as an outsider here, what do you make of, all of these WWE superstars like publicly airing grievances and things of that nature right now. I think when you have that many voices that are all kind of airing their grievances and they're all expressing discontent with the way the current, you know, things are, uh, it says a lot about the culture that's going on there and the way that they're being used and the way that um, they're being treated or, and that's just the culture that's going on behind the scenes that we aren't privy to. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that, and I've been in situations like this work wise where you just don't feel appreciated and you feel undervalued and it's really hard to come in and put on a, a happy face all of the time and pretend that you want to be there and pretend that you're as enthusiastic about your job when you don't feel like you're appreciated. And so I can see why a lot of people get frustrated and eventually want out of their contracts. How, and again, I, I'm going to maybe just table my second lot of question here because we're on a different uh, path of questions at the moment now. But, like, how does that make you feel? <laughs> how does that make you feel knowing there is an AEW now? Like, what is your just general reaction to there being this other major promotion in the mix right now with AEW? I'm really excited. I'm really excited for what AEW stands for. And, the, the culture that they're trying to create there, you know, and I would say that even if I wasn't 
doing backstage reporting for them. You know, I, I'm a fan of the product. I'm a fan of the sport. I am, um, I'm a fan of the art of professional wrestling. And I think that they're, they're redefining what the industry standard is going to be. And people can laugh at that. And people can say, this has been done so many times before and it's failed so many times before I can tell you that this is going to be different. And I can say that unequivocally because of the people that are involved in it and the care and time that's been put into building the roster that is so diverse and they really do care about their employees and the people that are working for them and their, you know, the entertainers that they are bringing on board. It's just, it starts at the top down when it comes to creating a culture that people feel appreciated and want to be a part of and people are excited about. And I think that AEW is just, it personifies all that. Having spent a little time in the WWE environment and now you're in this AEW mix, like what, what are the things that feel different to you about these environments? Um, I can say that, uh, there just feels this, it's fun. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know how you go to one job and you're like, yeah, this is, it's cool that I'm up here and I'm, I'm doing my thing, but it feels super corporate and super stuffy and super cookie cutter and kind of unoriginal. And then you see this fun, you get, you get invited into this fun world and you're like, Wow this is what it was supposed to be like. This is the fun I was supposed to be having. Like, it's just a reinvigorated environment. If, if I can, ex- I, I really can't put words to it, Yeah. but it just feels different. You feel the level of excitement that's around it. And you just know you're part of something that's building and going to become something amazing. Well, I know you also had a, had, you were involved with all in, but just in general, like how did you wind up in this AEW mix? Like what was your in here? Um, my in honestly was, uh, I worked out at the same gym that Cody and Brandy worked out at when they lived in Los Angeles briefly. There you go. And, uh, <laughs> my husband and Cody bonded because, you know, all Cody's are cool. My husband's name is Cody Decker yeah. and, uh, they bonded, um, just sharing DMs and chatting at the gym and things like that. And so we kind of were just acquaintances, but then, uh, Brandy Brandy broke her collarbone, obviously, and she, I guess, was going to be the person that was hosting the official uh, press conference last year for All In. And so very last minute, Cody reached out to my Cody and was like, yo, I know Jen does some sports reporting. Is this something that she'd be interested in? And he goes, actually, yeah, she she had wanted to get involved in that before, you know, with, with WWE, and it just, for whatever reason, it, it just didn't work out. Yeah, She would love to be a part of this and do this for you. So. I was honored to be able to step in and help them out in a time when, you know, there was a lot going on, obviously. And I, I, I wish, you know, I'm, I'm bummed that Brandy hurt herself, but I, it, it created an opportunity for me. And she's been nothing but kind to me in this whole process as well. Yeah. And, and you'll be back here uh, as the host for the double or nothing weigh in and press conference. Um, you know, I understand in like UFC and stuff where there's weigh-ins, you got to make weight. If you don't make weight, then you get fined. <laughs> what are uh, and feel free to you know completely make fun of me with your answer here. But what is the point of a weigh-in at, for Double or Nothing in AEW? I think the point of the weigh-in is it's all part of the hype machine. You know, it's it's the same way. Like I'm going to be going to the weigh-ins, you know, for Combate uh, probably tomorrow. It's it's all about creating the hype around these matches. And obviously with Combate, if, if fighters don't make their weight, which, uh, which actually happened the last time I, you know, was with them in Monterey, um, a fighter didn't make weight. They lose some of their purse, you know, and I don't know if Cody's implemented any kind of, uh, 
implemented any kind of uh, like program around that or not yet, or any rules around that or not yet. But it'll be interesting to see if he does. It's it's really about um, for me anyway, helping tell the story, you know, and that's the the way in is just part of the process of getting people excited for what they're going to witness. Do you now? You have a lot of background in uh, sports broadcasting. Uh, I think it's like over a decade now. I was reading as I was doing my quick periphery look at your life. Don't age me like that, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's whatever. Decade ain't nothing. It's just time. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I've been doing this for a while. Yeah. But like you know, with AEW, do you feel like they're you know you talk about a way in? You know, they talk about how wins and losses are going to matter. Do you get the vibe this is going to be a more sports oriented and less entertainment oriented promotion? I, I honestly, I think so. You know, um, it's a, uh, it, like I said, they're creating something that I don't think has had a template before, you know, like they're not taking some cookie cutter thing and, and building their version of it. They're completely reinventing professional wrestling as we know it. And so I am really excited to see what kind of ideas they come up with because they're going to be outside the box. You don't bring on people like Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho yeah. and create something ordinary, you know, the young bucks like these, like Cody, they've all built something from nothing, you know, as far as when it comes to, you know, being the elite and the road to double or nothing and the nightmare family, these are all things they have built bare bones on their own backs. And I think that that's something that they can be really proud of. And that's what this company is going to stand for. What match are you most excited for double or nothing? Oh my God. I know. Um, I don't want to mark out too much because I'm in a public place. (laughs) I mean, I, I'm excited for the whole card. Honestly. Um, I think Jericho Omega, I I just think it it peaks the chart a little bit for me. I don't know why. I don't know if it's because I've just been a fan of Jericho, you know, since I was growing up or what, but obviously Kenny Omega is one of the best, if not the best in the game right now. I, I think that I'm going to have to go with that one. Yeah, it's those guys. Don't are gonna... tell them. I, don't tell them I said that if they don't listen to this. I don't know. Nah, <laughs> I don't nah. know if I'm allowed to be have favorites, but like I do have a favorite, obviously, because I, I am a fan of the product. Yeah, no, that's cool. I'm just, I'm just wondering. You know, that's a big card. They've got that. Of course, Cody's going to take on his brother, Dustin Rhodes. That's a cool get. That's one of and those. And that's yeah. that's a that's a really cool get. And there's just so much history and so much backstory. And I mean. I think that there's a lot of emotional stakes in that. And, and that's something that can't be understated. I was talking with JR about that, that how, how powerful a moment that's going to be, you know, regardless of which way it goes. Yeah. Uh, very cool. And, you know, how can you not love the Lucha brothers versus young bucks? You know, come on. I think that's going to be super fun. It's going to be spot city. <laughs> now, now the way it's going to be so much fun. Oh, a ton of fun. Now you, uh, you're going to be at Starcast here doing the weigh in. Uh, I got to ask you about like the breaking Starcast news in the last 24 hours. Like what's your take on WWE making undertaker and Kurt Angle pull out of this event? Is anyone really shocked? <laughs> I think that, uh, you only do moves like that when you, uh, are, threatened but that's just my personal opinion you know what I mean like what do I know I I'm a little disappointed obviously um but I know that Conrad has been working his ass off to put together an amazing star cast and I I know that he will find a way to to make star cast even better despite these losses yeah um and everything's going to be available to watch on fight it's going to be so much fun 
Um, the Ric Flair roast is going to be there as well. I cannot wait for that. That's going to be super exciting. Uh, the way in, obviously. I mean, everyone can be a part of this, even if you cannot get to Las Vegas. Are you going to get to be a part of the Flair roast? Are you going to be up there with Ron Funches? Oh, my God. I hope so. I hope so. Oh. We'll see. I've been begging Conrad for a while, um, so we'll see what he what he says. But like I said, everything's going to be available on StarCast, on Fight. It's going to be insane. And and honestly, just one of those weekends to remember. Yeah, I saw your Twitter cover photo there where you were up on the Gotham comedy stage. Uh, fond memories of wrestling at the Gotham. I saw Heyman and Jim Ross there last year, and I got to to open for Jim and, and Jerry this year uh, at that venue. That's a cool Oh, fantastic. Yeah. That's a fun club, right? It's so, and well, I like it because you can actually like see the audience, you know? Like you can see. That's, that's, that's good and bad sometimes. <laughs> uh, I feel like I'm so I, uh, lost when I can't see. I you. had a crazy set this past weekend. Uh, I was opening for my friend, Eddie Pence, and uh, he was shooting his comedy special in DC. And I'd actually told him, I was like, just for the timing purposes, I'll take what's called the check drop spot. It's the, the spot where they're dropping off all the checks for people in the comedy club. So it's not fun because there's a lot of like, uh, movement and there's just a lot of noise and extra stuff going on so it's not the greatest time but it's definitely um, you know a chance to work and you have to work for that crowd yeah. and I was like yeah sure I'll take it so it wouldn't affect his audio for his special or his, or his video huh. and I gotta tell you that 420 crowd <laughs> I I had such a blast performing <laughs> for them and I had no like I've done comedy before in front of people that are you know obviously drinking and stuff like that but working in front of a 420 crowd was pretty interesting it was next level comedy for me yeah um and i I had just an absolute blast in dc i really hope people check out a special when it comes out now i i feel lucky in a sense because i got to be a part of the chicago improv scene here before i really kind of fell into the, the chicago pro wrestling scene so i like you have gotten to see kind of both communities the comedy and the pro wrestling community for you like how do those two communities compare and contrast the comedy and the pro wrestling communities I think there's a lot of overlap with them, actually, because yeah. I think professional wrestling fans and comedians, um, they were all kind of looking for places to belong, you know? And yeah. I feel like anyone that and anyone that says that they weren't and that they were the cool kid, you're lying, okay? We were all <laughs> nerds. We were all, we were all geeking out about something, you know? I say everyone is a nerd. You're just a nerd for different things. And I have always loved professional wrestling and I've always loved making people laugh. You know, even when I was working in straight up professional sports and I wasn't allowed to be telling jokes, like I would get reprimanded so many times because I cannot help myself. Like every bone in my body wants to make people laugh. And I, uh, I think that there's just so much overlap in the professional wrestling community and comedy because wrestlers themselves are improv performers. When you think about it, that baseline that's what it is. Yeah. And so many wrestlers are able to do comedy and so many comedians think they can wrestle. So, I mean, it's like See? Uh, yes. the worlds are just they're just always running into each other. It's funny because I do. I think you're right about that. I think if the if comedians could just, you know, exercise, have any, you know, schedule, <laughs> any any routine in their life. They would. They could be a. They could be a pro wrestler. Like that's the thing is. Hey, speak for yourself. I'm doing the full gear challenge right now. That, hey, it's, <laughs> I'm not saying there aren't some comedians that are in very good. I'm going to say some because again, you know, you can you can have all shapes and sizes. You got to have some dedication to be a pro wrestler. You know. 
Um, oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, now, with you being like you're out in L.A., you're Hollywood. Like you're Hollywood. You're in between meetings and things. You know what? Do you... I'm Valley. Let's be clear. I'm not Hollywood. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> now, do you feel the attitude shifted about pro wrestling? You know, in the entertainment industry, or you? I, I've I, at least on my end, I think they've warmed up a little bit more. But I'm not in it. Like, do you still feel the stigmas there? I feel like the stigma has kind of worn off because people are less closeted about it. You know what I mean? Like I said, before it used to be wrong to be a nerd and now it's cool to be a nerd. And then it used to be wrong to love professional wrestling. And now it's cool to like professional wrestling. I mean, I, I think that everything kind of comes in trends and we've all known about wrestling for forever we're the diehard fans. And so everything kind of comes in waves. And so I just think that wrestling is kind of having its moment right now. Yeah. Um, What do you think about, speaking of having this moment, what do you think about Vince bringing back the XFL? I wanted to get your take on that since you've got so many sports ties. Um, I think it's a terrible idea. Like who with the way CTE is working right now, who goes, you know what we should do? We should bring back the more violent version. I think that'd be a great idea. Well said. Uh, all right, last question. You know, I just, I'm just trying. I'm just trying to say brain cells here. You know, that's what it comes down to. I've just seen so many guys with head injuries. Um, you know, both in like the fighting world, fight at least with UFC and with MMA, they're really doing their best to prevent any long term damage by stop, by stoppage. And if fans get mad about that, you know what? Screw you. Like they're trying to to give these guys a better life long term than just for an extra thirty seconds of your enjoyment. Um, but I just think that there's so many changes right now and the NFL is under such scrutiny that bringing back a version of it that we all knew to be a more violent and a more intense version of it. I just don't think it's in great taste right now, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's again, it's well said. It's very, that's why I asked you. Cause like you actually have insight into this <laughs> stuff. Uh, all right. Last question. I'll, I'm going to get, I'm going to ask my final Lana question here. I, I had to get away from it because we just got off on another tra- uh, track and it, we, it was very fruitful. Um, but what what did you think about how her and Rusev got cut from Total Divas? And, like, she said it's just because they got sat down and they were like, look, our audience just does not like you. Like, what's your take about that? That's that's the truth. That's crazy. It really is the, it really is the truth. But I can't see how you can take somebody out of the show that is your comedic relief. Like, say what you want about CJ. You, you may not under Urbana, you may not understand her sense of humor, or you may not understand, um, you know, Rusev's sense of humor. Miro is a funny dude mm-hmm. and he's so slyly funny. Uh, and I think he started to show that more and more, you know, as they've given him time as a face, but I think that, uh, taking him off total diva was just a, was just a real kick in the nuts because she's so funny and she brings so much to the table as far as entertainment goes. Um, that I think that it was just a poor move. But you know what? They'll find something else that'll help them showcase their brand in a better way and in a way that makes more sense for them is the way I see it. Because the two of them, they're smart business people. Besides being, you know, amazing performers and entertainers, they just they just understand how to run a business when it comes to their brand. And so whatever they end up doing, I'm sure it'll be just as successful, if not more so. Hashtag salty. Right? Finding that new outlet. Hashtag salty. Oh, my God. I love it. Jennifer, I've really, really enjoyed this chat. Uh, I'll be in Vegas for Double or Nothing, so I look forward to seeing the work you do at the weigh-in and uh, and all of that. Is there anything you want to leave everyone with here? Maybe a way to find you, follow you, all those great things? 
That'd be great. Yeah. Follow me on Instagram. Um, it's at Jennifer Sturger or Twitter at Jennifer Sturger as well. It's the same on all my, on all my different social media sites. Uh, follow me on Venmo. Um, cause I'm still hustling out here and I have cats to feed. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I am really excited to see everybody in Las Vegas. It's going to be so much fun. And if you can't be there, like I said, everything's going to be available. Starcast on fight. And, um, yeah, let's just, let's have a blast. Oh, and, if you're not going to be there, maybe I'll see you in Jacksonville at Fight for the Fallen. How about that? There you go. Thank you, Michael, for joining me at the top of the show. Thank you to Kurt Angle. Thank you to Andy Malnoski for getting the interview with Kurt Angle. Thank you to Jennifer Decker. Really looking forward to Double or Nothing and StarCast. And thank you all very much for listening. If you want to support the show, you want to support Wrestling Inc., go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Wrestling Inc. Get your Jack to Jack journalist shirt. It's only 20 bucks. You can let the world know. You support Wrestling Inc. and the show. Uh, we're running some promo code contests right now over on our Twitter account. Uh, you can watch Beyond Wrestling's uh, Uncharted Territory, Episode 5. You could also win a promo code for either of the GCW shows uh, that we'll also be covering on their site this weekend. Um, so go enter our promo code contest over on our Twitter sphere. Also, go over to the App Store on your phone, iTunes, or Android. Download the Ringside Wrestling app every Friday. Uh, 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, I believe. A brand new video version of the Winkly featuring myself and Raj Geary breaking down the top five stories of the week. We also throw in a bonus interview uh, featuring Andy out in the field, Andy Malnoski, getting another interview just like you may have seen here or heard today with Kurt Angle. It's free to download. Go check it out, the Ringside Wrestling app. And like I teased earlier in the show, tomorrow we're going to have an Impact Rebellion doubleheader here as I'm going to feature an interview I did with Hakeem Zane, a.k.a. Rohit Raju. I, I've known him for a while now, so I still call him Hakeem sometimes. Um, and Gail Kim. Uh, I did an interview with Gail on Friday just before she was set to uh, go into her retirement match with Tessa. Um, we kind of talk about the match, but I'm deciding to keep the audio in and play it tomorrow because it's largely more a conversation about kind of where Gail is at in her career and what her future plans are. She also touches on Sasha Banks sitting out her contract and her thoughts on that. So there's like a lot of meatiness there that I thought you guys should hear. So you're going to get, uh, you're going to get Rohit Raju and Gail Kim on tomorrow's episode of the Winkley when I will be joined again by Justin Labar. Uh, Michael, thank you for your patience today. We went a little long. Not everyone got to hear uh, me in the slack line uh, complaining about how my computer needed to be restarted and set back our recording time by 20 minutes. But you're a gym. You're just great, buddy. You know, I try to keep it positive. So, you know, no, no worries. Those things happen to all of us, the best of us. No, it's, it's great to always be here on Tuesdays. I love doing the show with you. I know it's always busy news days, but it's fun to recap the weekend and news and what we haven't talked about yet. So thanks for having me. My, if you want to follow me. Yes. Um, occasionally I tweet funny, witty things. Occasionally I don't. But you can follow me either way. I'm on Twitter at The Real Wiseman. Um, I do most of my work here with you guys at Wrestling Inc. So I always post my newest article. And I, I think this week, you know, I'm going to pitch it to you and Raj here soon. But I want to look at those comments Vince McMahon, Vince McMahon made last week in a shareholders conference about, um, well, why ratings are down. It's because talent's injured, right? That's that's why they can't get ratings back up, because talent has been injured. Hmm. Mm, hmm. Yes. Hmm. Holding up a mirror to authority. I like that. Letting them see themselves in the statements they're making. I dig it. So uh, uh, be sure to t stay tuned to that. Of course, again, we're going to have both the GCW shows this weekend. Friday and Saturday night, they're going to be featured on the site. So there's no WWE Impact ROH New Japan this weekend. So it's a GCW weekend, guys. Change the game. Get in with some GCW with us here this weekend on the site. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it.